Okay, I think we will get started. We will expect that there'll be some joining us as we go along. A um, couple of announcements. Uh, ladies Bible class meets this week and we're having a brown bag lunch following. So bring your sandwich and drinks and desserts provided. Um, if you want to sign up for the Wednesday night meal, it's Deanna Carney's grilled pork tenderloin, potato casserole, green beans, and dessert. She is a fabulous cook. So if that works with your schedule, you'll enjoy the food. Discovery lunch is next week. So if you've been looking at Otter Creek and want to know a little bit more about us or consider membership, um, you, we would love to have you there. You can also register for that online. Um, and I know childcare is um, provided too. Prayer concerns, um, Carolyn Baker's having hip replacement surgery on the 21st. Clay Hobbs has been diagnosed with colon cancer. And I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't know them. New baby, um, to Matt and Tiffany Snow, have a baby boy. And Catherine Broadway's surgery is on Tuesday. So many of us have been in prayer about that. Are there other uh, concerns that you have? This is a little bit smaller group, something that you'd like to pray about, us to pray about? Yeah. Um, this time next week we will be um, driving after driving overnight to Colorado, and it's going to be 11 people in one van um, with five children ages eight and under, so all the prayers for safety and sanity. Yes, safety and sanity, and a really good time. Yes. Good for you. Others? Yes. Grateful, but also prayers for resolution and healing. Okay. How old was the? A 17 year old. Anything else? Yes. Lauren's going to lead us in prayer. Thank you. Gracious God, thank you for the peace of this day that we spend together. We are mindful of those who do not have peace, and particularly for the people that we have just spoken of. Please bring healing to their lives in all the ways that are needed. God, we are thankful for the gift of our children. We are intimidated by the gift of our children. We are so grateful for the gift of the church and the wisdom of people like Dale, Amy, who lead us as we try to walk this path the best we can in reliance upon you. Help us to learn how to support each other better and help us to know that ultimately our children come from you and, come and go back to you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the gift of your son and the hope we have of eternal life. In Jesus name. 
Okay, will you pretend for just a moment that I am a husband because he was supposed to come to this class, but he's involved um, in praying with the Broadways right now. I do have um, forms for the elder affirmation process. We really, um, really seek your input, uh, your participation with this. Um, you can also do this online. Um, you know, I'm going to put them right here. If this is an easy, probably this is an easy to draw on this paper copies, they need to be in the old people's glasses. Um, but if you prefer a paper copy just to do it really, you can do it quickly. Um, but today is the last day. And again, I grew up with the system of self-perpetuating elders. And I'm very grateful. I think this is a... I think this is a really good selection process, but I do think it is heavily dependent upon participation. So I would really urge you to do that. Fletcher said I could say, well, please don't vote for him because if he doesn't, if he's not affirmed, there's a lot more opportunity to get chores and housework done. Um, but I will not say that. If you have any questions about the process, there are three ways you can affirm you can abstain because you feel like you do not know that person well enough to have an opinion, or if you have objections to that person, then you should say no, okay? Any questions or concerns about that? Okay, last week we talked about logical consequences, and in the meantime, I have heard about two instances where parents use logical consequences, which I think are quite interesting. Rachel, would you tell us one that your parents used? Um, my, my parents were big fans of logical and natural consequences, and so there, um, there were three of us in, in our household, and um, some or more of us had the propensity to slam doors when we were mad, and so um, my parents just took the door off the hinges, and it didn't last too long, but that was a that was a very memorable one, which probably some of I'm seeing some nods, but probably happened in your house too. So. Well, and again, I think probably the strongest part of that is the message that it sent. It takes a lot of work to go remove a door, mm -hmm. but it's also, I'm assuming it was a child's bedroom door, yes. and that's also pretty inconvenient for that child too, so, yeah. Amy has a really interesting one. Um, it, all of these are for older children, which... Yeah. Um, so some of our good friends in Abilene um, have children older than our children. And when the son, I think, was around 16, he had a cell phone, and they had certain expectations and rules about how you use a cell phone. And he had um, been texting with some friends and using inappropriate language. And the dad saw it, you know, as he checked his phone, had a conversation with him, he said, this is not how we talk. This is not acceptable. You will not do this. And shortly after that, um, maybe within a few days, the dad was checking the phone again, and they happened to be, they were visiting some friends at a lake house, and they were on the boat, and for a reason the dad took the phone and was looking at it and sees again, the son is again using... You know where this is going. <laughs> and so the dad looks at it, sees what the, guy, what the son has texted, looks at the son, and just throws the phone <laughs> into the water, and it's gone. Um, now, that, that would never happen in the Shrigley household. Um, not, not that, I don't mean that they wouldn't have inappropriate words on the phone. That could have happened in the Shrigley household. But 
we have a family value that says you use resources well. And there is no way that my husband could have handled one of us throwing a perfectly good phone away. If it tells you anything, we still have plug-in telephones in our house. We even, he, his cell phone is a, the old-fashioned flip-top that my elderly mother had. Um, but it still works, so we don't replace things that still work. So what I'm saying is, I think the value, I'm not really advocating throwing the phone in the lake, but I am advocating on something that is really important to you, that you spend the energy to help your child get that this is important. And I don't think you have to do nearly so many dramatic things for young children, but sometimes with an older child, you might have to do something a little more dramatic. Also, last week I was thinking when you were talking about um, logical consequences and being very um, <coughs> time sensitive, especially with young children. Um, when Drew, it was probably a couple of years ago, he was probably three. Um, and so it needs to happen very quickly. And we were driving home from school one yes. afternoon, and I had some... Um, white chocolate pretzels that were a real treat and I was eating some and Drew asked for them and so I told him um, I handed him the bag and I said you could have two and he was old enough to know what two was so I'm driving I hand him the bag and I look and I'm at a red light or something and I see in the rearview mirror he takes more than two I was like Drew mommy said two and I can almost see like the wheels turning like mom's up there and she's driving, and I have the bag. And I saw him like stuff like four of them in his mouth, like just as fast as he could. And I'm like, he just—he totally knows. He completely did this intentionally because he thought he could get away with it. So I'm like, what am I gonna do? Like, I'm driving, and now the light's green, but I can't wait till we get home because now he's gotten the pretzels. And what am I gonna do that's gonna take that away? And is he even gonna get it when I finish at home? I think I scared my older children because I like immediately turned into the first parking lot and like ripped open the back door and took my hand and like scooped into his mouth and like threw him <laughs> And my older kids are just looking at me like, what did you do? And I was like, mommy told you to and you didn't obey. So you don't get the pretzels. And Drew was just kind of looking at me like, I can't believe what just happened. I don't even think he got particularly mad or upset. Maybe he just knew it was coming. But I'm not even sure that was exactly the right thing, but I think it did send him the message. Mommy said two, and you didn't obey, so now you don't get any of them. Again, I think these things are easier talked about than actually done. Yeah, if you've had a really hard day, it, it's hard to have the to muster the energy to do that. But to the extent that you can follow through with what you say, you and your child will be better off. Now, we're going to talk about some of the more unpleasant aspects of punishment, but let's review. Why do we punish in the first place? To stop a bad behavior. To stop a bad behavior. Now push that one. And why are we trying to stop a child in a bad behavior? Because we want to cultivate the good behavior because we're trying to teach. We're, we're, our ultimate goal is not to, to see that he doesn't eat a pretzel, okay? And I think it's real important that we keep that ultimate goal up there so that every aspect of discipline, including punishment, has as much of a teaching component 
as we can possibly have. Now, with Drew, even at three, I am not positive she needed to say, when mother says two, she means two. I think he's getting the message, but I would personally suggest that you err on the side of reaffirming that the child knows why we do not do this. What is the, the whenever, I love giving reasons. I just think that's how they ultimately buy into the value system, which is what you want them to do. Questions or reactions? Yes. I know you said one time uh, that you used to kind of laugh or get maybe a little annoyed with Fletcher for giving a lot of explanation of things that you, now what's your theory on explaining things to young children? Is it worth it? Are they gonna, is it gonna sink in eventually? Or at what point do you start really explaining or? Fletcher is born a teacher. He can't not do it, okay? And do I think my kids understood some of that when they were two and he's giving them an explanation about the constellations? No. But I also think that at some point they do begin. And so I would err on the side of, you, you, there's no danger to doing it too early, okay? Now the only danger is that you've wasted your energy, okay? But I think we don't really always know. And I also think, for, for instance, what he was talking about was cultivating a vocabulary. Let's use these words so they begin to know. So I'm real big on let's explain. We're talking about moving children to higher levels. It's not that we're trying to rush them, but this is the maturation process. But in the end, they're going to be the decision makers. And so you want them to know the reasons. Do you all, all know the story about the woman cutting the end off the ham? Uh-oh, it's classic. Well, the woman cooks the ham. Every time she buys a ham, she cuts the end off of it before she puts it in the pan. And finally somebody says, why do you always cut the end off of your ham? She said, I don't know. That's what my mother always did. And so she goes and asks the mother. And the mother said, my pan was small. It wouldn't fit in the pan if I didn't do it. Okay, so what I'm saying is I think you want to give reason because your children need to understand those reasons. So to the extent that you have the energy to do it, go for it, I don't think. Rachel, did you have a comment? <coughs> That is a wonderful point, and I want us to come back to that again. I, I think that's really, really crook, especially we're going to talk about when your child's really angry. And sometimes the thing to do is just to give them even a little bit of space. Okay, let's go to the next one. Okay, <clears throat> if you're tired of giving different, getting different models, but this one I think is really neat. This is from a lady, I think her name is R-H-I-M-M, or maybe it's R-I-M-M, and I meant to write it down. But she talks about a V of love and an inverted <laughs> V. And she says, and it makes such sense, at birth, the child has no choices. But as he gets a little older, he gets more and more and more choices. That this is what is a loving parent response, okay? But she also perceives that, especially in our culture, that we have inverted it. So that we're giving young children enormous choices. We're making their, 
we're, do, we're doing everything to be sure that they're not frustrated by anything, that they get everything that they want because we want them to be happy, okay? And so she says, but then as they get older, whoo, there got to be some limits. And there are natural limits. They're, they're more likely to be financial limits. What they want at two, you might can afford, but what they want at 13, you may not can afford. And what you want at, they want at 16, I guarantee you can't always afford. Another thing that she talks about, the problem with this is you tend to engender a lot of anger when the limits get tighter. And think about yourselves. Have you ever been in a job where you've had certain privileges or certain decisions you got to make and then there was a new boss or a new way of doing things and somehow what had been your territory was taken away from you and we don't like it. It doesn't feel good. And so that's the issues that you're dealing with. So if you want to err, I'd be a little I'd err on being restrictive early, knowing that our goal is to lose it. There's um, a book for beginning teachers called The First Two Weeks of School, and it was wildly popular 20 years ago. But the philosophy is kind of you don't smile until October. Being teacher comes in, you're very strict. I don't believe in the don't smile until October. I want you to smile really warmly the first day of school. But the idea is that if you will set, and there's some real validity to this, it's urging the teacher to spend an enormous amount of time the first two weeks on teaching routine. You, you practice lining up. You practice putting your lunchbox up. You practice doing all these things so that for the rest of the year, you don't have to waste any time on those routines. They are well established, you do them, you go to them, and you can then get on to the more interesting and more important aspects of education. Um, I, I do think there is some real, real importance to this. Questions? Yes? I was gonna comment about this. Um we're in, in my office, we're starting to hire some more people, and uh, we're actually getting a lot more younger people. Yes. And what, I, what we have seen is just in talking with uh, my boss about some of the choices we have and stuff from the younger generation seem to have been brought up with a lot more choices. And when it gets to you know, you're having to give them guidance, we see where they're having more, it's more within a, a discipline problem because of that. Thing. Yes. And so then it's kind of like, well, if your boss gives you, say, a choice or tells you to do something, you don't have the choice to be able to do one thing or the other. It's do that. And for some of the younger people, it, it's, we're seeing that it's funny. It's kind of funny the fact that you've seen them hard to comprehend. Wait, wait a minute, I don't have a choice. I can't choose to do what I want to do. So that's, I'm angry. And all this is related to what you want good for your child. I think most of us wanted our children coming in, wanted our children to go up, grow up to be responsible, valuable employees. And you don't get that by thinking that all the world is yours to make choices about. Yeah, good point. And it starts very early, okay? Please don't stand up. There are chairs. Hey, come on. Plenty. Okay, talking about more discipline. You want to go to the next one? <laughs> Let's talk about temper tantrums. 
they happen. Um, they are very common in young children. Now, I'm going to tell you my own personal theory. I've never seen it tested anywhere. It may not have any validity at all. But I personally believe that a lot of temper tantrums come at age two because that is also when the child is mature enough to know what he wants and he's able to sometimes communicate what he wants and it works and sometimes he can't make you understand what he wants and it's very frustrating. Now I feel like that is somehow all tied up in the temper tantrums that come at two. And again, they're very common and maybe you get yours at 18 months and maybe you don't get yours until almost three. And not that every child has temper tantrums. Some are wired to have more than others, okay? But that's a very normal kind of thing. Um, I perceive that temper tantrums in older children are more likely to come because they've worked, okay? Let me tell you my favorite temper tantrum story. Howard Justice was the, um, the grand, well, he, he was the one that established Agape many years ago. He was a wonderful social worker. And he tells the story of being in his garage and he had a lot of tools and he had a three or four year old grandson, probably four from what he tells. And he's letting the grandson use certain tools and they're working together and it's just wonderful. And then the grandson spies a certain tool that he wants to use and Howard says, no, I'm sorry, that one's not safe. And Howard's been giving him all these tools to, to work with. He can't imagine that that's not his decision to, to get the tool. And he just collapses on the garage floor and kicks and screams and carries on it. Howard is the most mild-mannered, calm person you've ever encountered. And he just sits and goes on about what he's doing. And after a few minutes, the child just abruptly stops. And Howard thinks, oh, we're done. Child stops, gets up, goes inside, goes to the bathroom, comes back, and falls back on the floor again. <laughs> now, that has to be manipulative behavior. He's sure that he can make Grandpa feel guilty about making him unhappy and not meeting the need that he wants. Now, is he logically thinking through all this? I doubt it but it seems to him to make to be an appropriate response, okay? Now, what is it, Prairie Home Companion is all the children are above average, isn't that the line? <laughs> okay, your children are in fact likely to be quite above average, which means they're bright and they're insightful and sometimes they're gonna make connections that they don't even know they're making. And so when are the best times to think that a temper tantrum might work. When are you going to play your odds? When is it going to be the best time to pull this card out to try? In public, at the grocery store, in front of the in-laws. Okay. Um, again, that doesn't make them bad kids. That's what kids are. It is, there's something wrong with them if they don't sometimes want, want what they want and want to get what they want, okay? That is their, that's part of growing up. That's not bad at all. But it is our role not to reinforce the behavior that we don't want, and most of us don't want temper tantrums, okay? 
So what are you gonna do with the kid that throws himself on the floor? If at all possible, please don't reward the behavior. If he's screaming at the grocery store because you won't buy the candy bar, as painful as it is, and I know in this day and age, people look at you like you're an abuser. I, I know that, okay? Uh, I know you may have even had somebody that came and offered to buy the candy bar for him. Busybodies. Um, but you don't want to reward the behavior, okay? Because what have you taught him? Hey, this works. And remember when we talked about behavior theory? It only takes a few intermittent reinforcements to let it prolong for a long time. I have a question. I was in um, the dollar store, it was a few months ago, and there were people on the aisle next to me. And this mom with her son who was late elementary school and he asked for a treat she said no he said okay he's fine with it and the woman behind was so impressed with how he took it she asked the mom is it okay if i get this for him and she said yes and she said i'm getting this for you because of how you behaved when she said no what do you think of that i don't think that's bad at all i think that's reinforcing the right behavior. If it had been a two-year-old, I would have been right. much more leery because I don't think a two-year-old could have separated right. the, the pieces out. But yeah, I, 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 now if she had offered it to the child without asking the mother, I got a whole big issue with that. Right. But, but yeah, I, I would not have. Um. Okay, so you're at the grocery store and this child is wailing. You think, God, I didn't sign up for this. This is hard. I think you got two choices. I think you hold the wailing child and check out and hope anybody that you know will give you some understanding and if they've been honest, they've probably been there. Or you say to the clerk, I am so sorry, but we will need to leave and I've got a lot of frozen things in my cart that you will want to put back on the shelf quickly. I know that's hard, but temper tantrums can very easily be established and you really don't want, I, I can pick, I um, guess I can still pick up a two-year-old. I can't pick up an eight-year-old that's furious and I have seen temper tantrums with eight-year-olds and they are not pretty. And frankly, it's a little scary, I think, for older children to have a temper tantrum. For one thing, they're old enough to be a little bit afraid of losing their emotions, losing control of their emotions so much. And so the fear, I think, can even um, kind of intensify that. Questions? Yes. Um, one thing that always helps me because I've been in that situation before was something that you said to me once that I kept in the back of my mind while I was happening and while I was sweating and thought I was going to lose my mind as people were staring, was you said that if they're staring into one of two things, they either have been in this situation and they're staring because they are hurting for you and they understand, or they've never had kids and they don't understand, so who cares? And so being able to think I would have 
your face in my head and think through that. If I can help you with a temper tantrum, wonderful. Thinking yes. through my child yes. having to yes. fit as I checked out and getting to the car as fast as I could. And it helped me not give in and not, because if I could just channel through that and think, I'd rather go through, stay strong for the next couple months. Yes, then, and yes. And I even said that to somebody as I apologized in the checkout line. I am dealing with this now, so I do not have to deal with this for the next 18 years. I am sorry. Oh, that's a wonderful line. And so being able to say that as the man said, just let him hold the jug of milk or just give him that. And being able to say that to them and say that to yourself is huge. And so I think that's a big deal because you don't want to do that to have a 10-year-old throwing a fit of a candy bar. You, a 2-year-old is much easier to deal with. Okay, so what do you do if you've got an older one? I'm not sure that I would say my son had temper tantrums, but he had a temper. And he's way past two. I can't, I mean, I'm not proud of this, but he was, um, his temper especially showed itself when, because he was too competitive. Uh, he wanted to win, and it, it just, he was too competitive. It was, um, I think later on, it moderated enough that his competitiveness served him well. But frankly, at 9 and 10 and 11, it didn't serve him, it didn't serve me very well. Um, and yeah, I can't tell you the times, I mean, he would be mad, and I would say, you've got to come in. He, it, it often was outside with some game. The girls would come in, Douglas is cheating again. Um, he's a really fine, upstanding person now. Um, but he wanted to win so bad that, the, you know, the, the ball always landed in on his side and it was always out on their side. And, um, I mean, I'd, I'd have to say, you've got to come in. And he would often come in, but he would be so mad that he would get to his room and then he'd come storming. I held the door with all my weight, determined that he was going to stay in his room in time out until he had calmed down, and then, then we always added a little bit extra after that because there ought to be some consequence. Again, children are going to be wired very different. One of my grandchildren had the most bizarre temper tantrums, <coughs> and I'm going to tell you this because just it, I had never seen anything quite like it, and I don't, I don't, I'm not wise enough to know. His often seemed to be triggered when he was wake, when he woke up. Um, he also ended up with as a child with a few sleep disturbances. So I don't know if they were, but it was like he would, and, and we're talking again about two and a half or three, that he would um, wake up from a nap and you would just know it was coming. You could just kind of, it didn't seem to be triggered by anything. And it was miserable. He would be just so mad and he'd scream and kick and, and there was nothing to do but just leave him in, in he was still in, the, in a crib and he would stay in there. Uh, or maybe it was a baby, a child's bed. I don't know, but he would stay in in the room in the bed. But it was awful, and it didn't seem that it was being rewarded in any way. And he he did he outgrew it fine. Um, but I do think there's some individual differences in how children handle. I, I saw it again with him once when he was older. Not this, not a temper tantrum, but kind of a hysterical response once when he got hurt. Uh, that I, that response was way beyond the extent of the injury, but that's easy for me to say. It wasn't my foot that was cut, and so um, I, I, 
I just say to you, if, if you're dealing with this, there is a real spectrum there. And be careful. As much as I do think they often continue because they've been rewarded, I do think there's a, 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 some individual differences there. So let's don't beat up on yourself. If you think your child's a little old, let's just keep working on it. Does, does that make sense? Question or? When you were talking about like an eight-year-old, I was just trying to figure out like if my five or six-year-old, which she could do, like in the store, let's say she decides, because I think for her it would be a decision to take a tantrum. I was trying to think like where could I go or where could I leave her that's like a safe, logical consequence. You know what I mean? Like, because I can't pick her up and carry her out. And I'm more likely not to. But you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm even with the two-year-old. I'm like, we're finishing this. People can deal. But what do you do when the older one, if you're in public, I guess. You well, know? and and again, I, I don't want to say that this is intentional, but they know that. They know that the power shifts when you've got a two-year-old or a new baby or who was telling me this story about knowing they couldn't deal with it. They, there were too many other children. I, I wouldn't, to say I wouldn't give in, sometimes you may have to, but I would, let, I would do my very best not to. Um, I, I really think if you can just sit there, if you can just say, I will sit here and you can scream as long as you need to scream. I can't pick you up, um, but, but we are gonna stay right here and it, that may mean that you're in the corner of the grocery store and they're screaming. I don't have a good solution for that. I, um, one of the books that I've read, um, Love, Love and Logic, is that it? Has this elaborate story about this had been a pattern and so the, the mom arranges with the neighbor and to be there and whatever. I, that sounds great, but that also sounds like a very complicated situation. Um, but I think the extent to which you can if you can be calm and I, I loved your I'm sitting there sweating of course you are mm -hmm. of course you are but if you can do all that you can do to have the calm demeanor to not fuel it so we're gonna have to sit here I cannot pick you I'm not gonna pick you up you're too big for that but when you get calm we're gonna walk out and I really I think the first time she will test you and that doesn't make her a bad child okay all of us are gonna test to see what what the world will accept. And she's gonna see what her world will accept. But I really don't think you'll have to do that very many times. <coughs> Matt? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say something I actually kind of did in that situation once. <coughs> my is in age, so they're 19 months apart and I felt like I was trying to carry two babies at a time. I've actually enlisted the help of strangers, like the people watching. If there was like a sweet looking grandmother or someone, yeah. I'd say, will you hold her hand and walk her out while I carry them? Yeah. I'm, I'm, so I don't know if that's right or not, but I literally couldn't do it by myself, so I just I think that's a great solution. <laughs> if you're right there, you obviously don't want a stranger that's going to go right, in no, anybody. Yeah, no, no, I think that, I think that makes... Yes. you hold his across the street, because getting through the Yes, yes, yes. Like, yes. well, one's going to run that way, and I'm trying to hold this one, and I can't hold both. Yes. So I just let me walk in with me. And yes, sure yes. Can. That's a great idea. Now you got to be curious on whether or not my Where one will be having the tantrum, the second one will be sitting there playing tearfully or whatever. 
Absolutely. That's a wonderful technique. Oh, I think that's great. As they get older, you're going to want to be a little bit more subtle about it because if you say Ava's behaving, then the other one's going, I'm going to show you how bad I can be. So, I, I'm, I, But yes, because what you're doing is attending, you're giving attention, which is such a valuable reinforcer to the good behavior. Now, that's the reason that Howard Justices was so successful. He's just so busy in his workshop. He's going on with what he's doing. The fact that this child is exerting an enormous amount of energy on a temper tantrum, at some level, you think, huh, this is tiring. This is work. It's not working. I'm going to do something else. Matt? Oh, I was just going to say, the value of the timeout is good for the kid, but I think it's good for us, too, because, you know, how many times, like, after a conversation, have you thought, I wish I'd said yes, that? Yes, You know, it's because once you're able to calm down, your rational brain can take back over and yes. So when you find yourself in the grocery store or in the park or wherever with the child, take a deep breath and either A, be calm, or B, imagine what a calm person would do. Oh, uh, no, that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Because maybe you can't get there, you know, in the moment, and then respond, you know, as best you can. In fact, that is a perfect lead-in. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying one other thing. I have not done this very well very often, but occasionally when we're going somewhere, and especially I realized I was really outnumbered, and I anticipated this could go really poorly, um, trying to be proactive, and so before we get there, before we get out of the car, the reminders of, this is how we're gonna act, and this is what it's gonna look like, and I know you're gonna want some things, but remember, this isn't what this shopping trip is about, but remember what's gonna happen when we get home, and we're gonna have this fun snack, we're gonna do this fun activity, and trying to kind of plant that, that this is what's going to happen. And I do, um, you can refute this or argue with it, I think at times there's a significant difference between, um, I wouldn't even call it bribery, but you're going to be rewarded for, for this good behavior, for showing the behavior I want, I can reward you for it. And that is very different, in my opinion, than here's the candy bar to shut up. Um, and I don't do that every time, but every once in a while, especially if you're really working on something, I think that's appropriate sometimes if we're reinforcing the behavior, here's the behavior I want. I'm going to tell you what it is, and I'm going to remind you a whole lot about it in the grocery store, store and then we're going to celebrate when you do it occasionally. Well, in fact, I took out a slide because I have more slides than you need to see. But one of them says, what is the difference in bribery and positive reinforcement? Not much. Oh, no. No, there's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. That's it, exactly. I think, I think positive reinforcement is intentional. I think bribery is often driven by the child and you're desperate. Okay? And I really do think there's a huge difference. Yes? I think that people like grandparents buy into this. You say no chocolate and they sneaking it behind your back or they sneak it behind the back is a really nice Oh, you are, and that's really unfair. Um, send the grandparents to me. We need to have a talk. Um, Deal. <laughs> What's your phone number? I, I, I really, it, I'll be honest, it makes me sad because at the end of the day, I really think those grandparents want the same thing that you do. 
the other part of that as grandparents, we want to be loved. And, and so we have some of the same battles that you have. That's the reason it's really hard to be tough. It doesn't feel very loving. Your child doesn't curl up with you and say, Mommy, I'm so glad you didn't let me have the chocolate. <laughs> it just they don't, they, it doesn't feel good. And so, but yeah, I, I would at another time sit down. And if it's your parents, it needs to be you. If it's your husband's parents, it's got to be him, okay? But this is hurting us. And this is sending a really confusing message. And I know that you want this beautiful grandchild to grow up, such and such. Now, having said that, let me give you one caveat that I, I, I think is okay. Um, they should never undermine you. They should not make you the bad guy. I think within certain parameters, it is okay, and this is just my opinion, okay, but it was also my experience, that there are certain parameters that as especially as the child, maybe not a two-year-old, but clearly by five, they can understand that there are different rules, different places, okay? And so, for instance, um, as my children were late, they were late elementary, there were certain TV programs that I just said, we're not gonna watch it our house. I could get on my soapbox really easily about these TV programs. But when they went to my mother's, which they did fairly often, they got to watch some of them. Now, these are not obscene TV programs, okay? Now, I'm being real serious about this because there are limits that you've, you've got to say, this is, this is the way it's got to be, okay? But I think there's some, most kids get more sugar at grandparents than they get at home. Now... And we'll, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. We're going to do kind of a day about dealing with family <coughs> members. Um, but I think it's really legitimate to say, help me on this. And, and I, I really hope that... Um, I think there are places that you want to be sure and draw the line. Um, in my generation, we did not cut grapes when we gave them to children. I never knew anybody to cut a grape. I never heard a pediatrician say anything about cutting grapes. But nowadays, you cut grapes. Well, I know that there's some, I've heard of some grandmothers that were unwilling to cut grapes because they didn't do it and you grew up fine. And I'm thinking, really? What if your child chokes on the grapes? Do you want to be responsible for being the one that didn't cut the grapes when you were told to cut the grapes? I, I, I'll be honest, I have a hard time relating to that. I guess I feel so keenly the safety of my children, grandchildren, that if something happened to them and I had not done something, I, my son's in-laws were not, initially real into car seats and he finally said if I ever find out that you have taken my children anywhere out of the driveway without the car seat being buckled it will be the last time that you drive with them and he meant it and it never happened again now again he had the luxury that if they did never drive them again he could survive if mother's taking your child to school every day you may not have that look I do buckle him in every day. <laughs> does that does some of that make sense? Yeah, I'm sorry, that's hard. Other questions? Oh, I'm sorry. It's time. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna respond to Kate what Katie was saying. You know, I have a five-year-old daughter too, and she one thing that she really values is being with me. You know, and she wants to go to the grocery store with me. She doesn't want me to leave her at home. And so I like for my daughter, you know, that's something that I can say. Yes. I love being here with you. 
Yes. But when you act like this, I can't bring you next time. You know, and so that's powerful. Like to try to find the thing that they value to me has helped. You know, pinpointing like what is the bigger picture that she really desires for me, and yes. then you know, giving her that. You know. I'm sorry, I didn't. Um, well, we didn't get to everything today. Um, I've got an assignment. I think I'm going to keep it till next week. I think we've got too much to cover next week. Um, take care of yourselves. I know you're busy. I know you're tired. I know the world tells you that you've got to do this and this and this and this and this. Um, parenting takes a lot of energy. Um, and if there's some things that are unimportant that you can let go sometime to take good care of yourself, do that and don't feel guilty about it. Go in peace.